everything going for you today it's going good man we just got done um reseeding the persistence rewards on the um silk stk atom as well as the atom stk atom pool just happened now um so you can see that those apys jumped up again which is fun to see and yeah we're getting we're getting really close overall um on kicking off all these real yield levers, all the scripts are in place. Things have taken a little bit longer than we'd like, but um, some good wins on the board, especially the airdrop clawback being instantiated. It's cool to be able to bring the airdrop to a close, you know, after after two years. And uh, so, if you haven't claimed your shared shade airdrop already, now would be the time to do so because uh, every second that ticks by. Well, every block that ticks by, I should say, you'll be losing out on some of your airdrop. Yeah, and I, I imagine uh, from your perspective, having all, all the automation that you've been working on to make these reseeding of uh, boards contracts, basically all the maintenance of uh, rewards and, and various parameters, um, I imagine that's gotten much, much easier. Uh, as a result of the work you've been doing. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're talking tasks that used to take 30 minutes to an hour that people were hand checking now take like 30 seconds to a minute, like just like actually. So really excited about that. And even the seeing the buyback scripts in action is so crazy. You can see uh, like in real time, all of the accrued fees swapping across like eight different pools. It's going to be so cool to see it in action and then have it automatically send those that accrued shade to the staking rewards contract for stakers is just such a symbiotic relationship so it's it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see it end to end yeah 100 we'll we'll get a little bit more into the details of that today i want to give uh, another minute or so for people to roll in here uh, we've already got a nice uh crowd here thank you everyone for being on time uh, today for this Twitter space. I know there's a few other bigger Twitter spaces going on today, so uh, might be a slightly smaller crowd, but the conversation is going to be just as just as bold and good. So we'll give this another another minute or so, and then we will kick this off. Um, be before we start this off, I do want to go ahead and say uh, the Silk Twitter account is currently doing a giveaway of Silk uh, for 100 Silk. Um, we the the purpose of this is really to kind of get people to better understand the value propositions that Silk brings. And so it's a really interesting way to not only learn a little bit about Silk for everyone who's 
been following Shade Protocol for a while, you're probably already familiar with Silk and the various value propositions it possesses relative to uh, sort of your traditional stable coins. Uh, but really way, easy way to get active in the community and potentially win 100 Silk. So if anyone's interested, definitely go check out the Silk Twitter page. It should be Silk underscore stable. Um, I think it's just... Uh, you know, follow Silk, retweet, and then comment your favorite uh, value proposition. Uh, it's it's fairly easy. So, all right. So we can go ahead and kick things off for seven minutes past the hour. Uh, thank you, Carter, for joining us today. Thank you, everyone else uh, that's currently here for this conversation. It's going to be a really good one. We're going to be going over some high-level overviews of the shade airdrop atrophy uh, in the process there. Um, going to be discussing the rollout phases of the meta engine, and then we're going to be touching on some silk integration details uh, at the end of this. So e each piece of this is going to be really interesting and applicable for uh, both shade token holders, silk token holders. So I think we can go ahead and kick it off with the most recent announcement that we posted, which was that the shade airdrop atrophy is officially um, initiated uh, yesterday. Um, this can all be verified by querying the um, by querying the air airdrop contract. You can look at the dates that the atrophy is set. Um, it's all in Unix time. Not that anyone necessarily cares about this, but you can verify that the atrophy is actually started uh, by querying that contract and. I think currently it's a with no new claims, I think we're clawing back 8,200 shade per day. Um, a little over a million shade left to be clawed back into the community pool, assuming no further claims. And so that that in itself is a is a big moment one. Uh, for the team, you know, I know Carter, you've joked about this being potentially one of the longest airdrops in crypto history. Uh, you know, pretty soon we're going to be uh, uh, seeing it come to an end and we'll be able to kind of place that in the shape protocol uh, history archive and, and focus on moving forward um, with our current D apps. Um, you know, ideally, once the airdrop is complete, we'll have V1 of governance um, ready to go. So we can start actually, uh, you know, with some real uh, consensus potential start, um, you know, proposing viable solutions for what could be done with that shade. Obviously not saying that everything, you know, all that shade needs to be put to use immediately. Um, but that would be the point where we as a team and as a community would probably most feel comfortable to actually start discussing these proposals um, and having some real consensus around uh, what token holders are are feeling in regards to what should be done with these tokens. So, Carter, if you want to uh, mention anything about the airdrop, um, yeah, you have any any thoughts on getting this kicked off and, and its place within the airdrop timeline? I, I think it's because the airdrop took so long it's interesting to see the claim rates for every one of the tasks you know decrease every time but in some ways i think it's really cool because the ownership of the protocol is in the hands of the people that you know did all of the tasks and seeing a million shade potentially get clawed back to the treasury just means everyone that currently has shade has a larger percentage of ownership of governing that shade so as a whole i feel like it did its job. It got shade on the map. It taught people how to stake. Um, it taught people 
um, how to interact with Shade Protocol, and I, I'm really proud of the, the airdrop journey. I think in terms of surviving the distribution event too, uh, if you think about like where we were and all the shade unlocked with the final airdrop, there was a lot of concerns that price was gonna just absolutely nuke itself. And interestingly enough, there was actually a lot of resiliency, if not some buy pressure from the final round of the airdrop, which I think speaks to the value of having people show up and see a full suite of apps. That was always the original thesis of why we wanted to stretch out the airdrop. And I think I think we proved that it's actually a pretty it's a pretty good method. There'll be there'll be frustrated people along the way, but there's no perfect game theory. And but I, I think I think it played out pretty well. Um, another thing I'm excited about is you know the VC vesting, the, the the painful 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 two years of vesting. You know that distribution event's going to be done in like half a year. So yeah, I was about to say six months or so. I think yeah, so. So once once we get through that, it's really like we've we've gotten through the airdrop. We've gotten through the VC vesting. Um, that'll leave us in a really, really good place where it's really just organic, organic demand from there on out, interacting with a relatively stable supply system. So, it's yep. uh, it, th- things are things are looking bright the next six months. Yeah, and, and, and you know, thinking about that in conjunction with um, you know the the reductions in LP emissions proposed. Uh, as we're continually reworking uh, shade swap LP emissions, uh, moving towards real yield uh, for shade stakers. You know, we have a a whole a whole a, a, a an allocation of shade that was earmarked for emissions towards stakers that's potentially you know not going to be used. And so, when you're thinking about these unlock events. You know the the VC emissions is really that last big one, right? Um, yep. And so having all of these things coincide right around the same time, you know, meta engine instantiation, um, airdrop clawback, the reduction in LP emissions, or or rather optimization of LP emissions, and then also moving staking towards 100% real yield. Um, those are all not only big narratives you know, to help from like a social perspective, but also from, you know, an economic perspective, uh, reducing the amount of these emission shocks and, and letting it kind of happen a bit more organically. I think this is a really good symbiosis of events happening. It's so exciting. I mean, like the buy pressure happening is going to be a very real effect. Like in the absence of people interacting, like buying and selling shade, there's going to be kind of this steady upward force that's generated from all of the activity across all the applications. And I think people are potentially sleeping on how powerful that force is going to be. So um, we're ready to go. We can kick off real yields whenever we, we could actually do it today. But we want to get a forum post up just so that the timeline is publicly visible. Um, at this point, I'm thinking this week has really been the prep week to make sure everything is in place. So I think, I think next week will be, um, a good time to begin activating all of the levers and yeah, then it's just, then, then, then the show begins. Yeah. Before we, before we dive into <clears throat> the different phases of the rollout of the meta engine, I do want to make a quick statement about the airdrop atrophy process. Um, as a result of the atrophy, uh, currently ongoing, we, have 
changed the the final claiming process for shade. Um, as a result of that atrophy happening, there was uh, you know a discrepancy between the amount that you are uh, claiming in shade and then the the amount that would be migrated afterwards. Currently, the task three. When you claim your shade, you're claiming old shade, and then it's auto-migrated for you. As a result of that atrophy happening, we had to break up that process. So anyone that's currently listening that plans to claim their shade airdrop or anyone that's going to be listening to this recording uh, who is going to claim their shared shade airdrop, you'll have to claim the airdrop and then manually migrate it. Um, you know, it's... As much as we like simplifying the UX as much as possible, this is just one of those technical limitations um, that that kind of uh, reared its head. So just want to give a heads up for anyone out there who's going to be claiming today or claiming over the next uh, few months. Um, just, just a heads up there. But regarding the, the rollout of the Shade Meta Engine, I know uh, we had talked about, uh, at least internally, breaking this up and kind of focusing on... Um, and doing the rollout on an application basis. Um, and we kind of propose breaking up into uh, stake secret change rollout, uh, shade swap, and AMO fee allocation uh, rollout, and then uh, rollout of changes to shade lend. And so um, I don't know if you want to kind of touch on the, the logic behind wanting to break this up, or if you want to go ahead and start diving into some of the proposed changes coming up. Sure. So I think the we can start with staked, staked secret. Uh, the idea behind giving people a heads up is whenever you're going to modify, you know, a decentralized financial product, it's it's fair that people know what changes are coming and then they have time to, you know, leave the product if they're not happy with the additional risks that might be might happen in the process of doing that. Um, so like stake secret, for example. The withdraw fee is going to be bumped from 0.05% to 0.25%. Uh, it's still one of the cheapest, I think it is the cheapest like fee system in any staking derivative that I know of really anywhere. Um, and most people don't even have to experience the withdraw fee. It's usually arbitrage players that are experiencing the withdraw fee because most people will just sell the staking derivative on ShadeSwap to go back to the L1 token. So that's, that's a fee change that's pretty pretty safe but it does impact at everyone so if anyone wants to avoid that fee bump they you know feel free to withdraw withdraw in advance another set of changes is tied to the uh, validator set um, essentially we want to be able to modify the delegation program of stake secret to best support uh, shade protocol like partners and contributors as well as secret network so this one's probably been the most controversial. It, it was originally a set of 21 validators based off, based off of a scorecard tie, tied to uptime, decentralization score, uh, governance, activity, and commission rate, which honestly, in terms of neutrality, is incredibly efficient for like coming up with a validator set in a neutral fashion. So that system worked really, really well for a year and a half, but as the delegation as as more and more people have started to adopt stake secret those delegations are becoming more and more significant and so the impact that it can have on secret network growth or shape protocol contributors starts to be kind of a big deal if if we're if we're delegating to kind of a 
a brand name validator that doesn't really care about secret network, but they happen to have good uptime. Is that, is that really like the best use of delegations or can we give it to, you know, an active builder in the secret network community or an active IBC relayer that is intimately touching kind of the user experience that's impacting the user base. So we haven't, I don't know if we've really ran, landed on a really good place. I know Stride has kind of a, a governance committee where people can kind of submit their like, kind of track records and resumes and then they kind of figure out re um, like delegations from there. I, I don't know how I feel about, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how we want to go about this, but I do know that a shift to an opinionated delegation program is going to have a lot of benefits, I think. I also think that there's a lot of disadvantages, and the disadvantages primarily comes from the fact that it's, an op it's, it, it's opinionated and it's not neutral. So we're open to feedback on figuring out within that process of trying to identify and pick the highest level contributors um, what that process can look like in a sustainable in a sustainable fashion. And I have a, I have a spreadsheet kind of outlining the impacts on APR with this new set of changes to, to stake secret holders. So we'll at least be able to have a conversation around APR. It's not too big of a difference. I think it's like a 0.2% APR difference between the old validator set and the new one that's being proposed. Um, some of that uptime data is a lot more kind of harder to track and pinpoint. So I think we should probably be most concerned with the kind of commission rate APR change. So I'll pause there, Red, if you have any, if you have any thoughts. Yeah, the you, talking about uh, these objective measurements that we included in the uh, original uh, like validator set selection process, um, you know, the, the biggest one that comes to my mind, uptime is, uh, you know, uptime is important. I conversely, I would say potentially downtime and, and slashing uh, events would be another thing to look at. Uptime is great, but we've seen with many with many validators across many Cosmos blockchains trying to optimize that uptime to 100%. And we've seen the downsides of trying to do that. Uh, you know, in my opinion, and I've talked to a lot of validators about this, you know, having 99% uptime or 98% uptime relative to 100% time, there's like very, very little difference there. Um, and so when talking with some of the validators, it seems like, you know, the, those slashing events are, um, are maybe a, a bit more pertinent to look at, uh, than uptime. Obviously uptime is important is that, um, impacts your ability to validate blocks and generate, uh, you know, staking rewards. Um, but yeah, you know, throughout this process, we recognize that this is a bit more of a uh, subjective decision, and while that, while we recognize that, we also want to try and maintain um, objectivity when it comes to the the, the impact. Uh, maintain objectivity as much as possible when looking at um, you know the the changes in delegation, and so. Um, like Carter said, we're going to try and have a forum post up soon, um, get those spreadsheets 
shared with individuals so they can check out the changes to what that uh, staking API would be. And then um, ideally, we're able to include some of these other um, include some of these other pertinent parameters um, that individuals can kind of look at from a historical basis. Um, but yeah, uh, I think, you know, when I think about stake secret, I rem I think about when it first launched and thinking about, you know, obviously we all want to think about when secret and shade were at uh, all time highs. But, you know, when we look at the uh, revenue coming in from stake secret, um, like Carter said, we have, as far as I know, the lowest fees associated with liquid staking derivatives in the cosmos. Um, and even, even with those fees being so low, um, the protocol has been able to earn uh, a really decent amount of secret, not only in those, um, in, the withdraw and minting fees, but maybe maybe I'm misremembering something. Carter, did we do uh, bonds for stake secret? Yes, there is. So the, the DAO is passively occurring secret staking yield. I think it's around a hundred thousand stake secret that it holds. Nice, nice. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I really was just curious, just from uh, looking at these different revenue streams uh, for the protocol, and stake secret is the longest standing revenue stream for the protocol. Uh, that was the first product that Shade put out. So, well, it's interesting because even, I mean, you can anyone can play this the all time high game. So let's play it because it's kind of fun. It's, it's it's detached from reality, but we'll take a moment to celebrate the the not reality. Um, like secret at ten dollars. There's 7.8 million secret in the stake secret product. So that means 78 million in TVL. Like if, if we would reverse the clock to the peak bull market with the current product adoption, that's 78 million in TVL, which is why like the difference between a bear and a bull is just kind of absurd in that sense. So if, if we see a market turnaround, let's say even like a year from now and stake secret eventually is holding, let's say 15 million secret. And let's say secret goes to $4 suddenly all the all the people that are overly focused on tvl although it, it's a meaningful metric in many ways but sometimes it's not are going to be like why the heck does shade have like 60 million tvl from this random staking driven right like that's i'm kind of i'm kind of waiting for that realization when when secret has its its comeback moment which i i fully believe is coming and for people to realize that shade protocol has the largest secret network staking derivative always has and uh yeah, it's going to be fun yeah, and I think um, I was trying to do some digging on this. I think the only liquid staking protocols that have greater adoption uh, for a layer one staking derivative is like, I, I would say Crescent maybe, because, you know, they're pretty much solely liquid staked. Um, maybe, maybe Eris protocol uh, for I, I I'm not sure, Carter, do you are you aware of any other liquid staking derivatives that have a higher adoption rate? I think maybe I'm remembering wrong, but I think Evmos might have a really high rate. Okay, yeah, yeah, staking yeah. APR is so absurdly high that it like that it kind of pushes people into the staking derivative even more aggressively than some other ones. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. So I think we can um, we can kind of shift towards the next uh, phase of that rollout of the meta engine, which will be um, changes to uh, to swap fees or the the DAO take on swap fees implementation of 
these automated market operations and the implementation of the fee allocations. And this is something I know you've personally been working on a lot with all these different scripts. Um, so if you want to kind of touch on, um, I guess, the initial suggestions for changes to the DAO take on swap fees and then um, what, you know, the the proposed process for what is done with those swap fees. And, and really it's uh, fees from any of the uh, protocol applications. Yes, so the idea is that any pair that is not earning shade rewards remains as is. So as a liquidity provider, you can, you know, still spin up pools and partake in pools that don't involve any shade rewards and earn all of your trading fees, no problem. But if you're earning from a shade, like shade rewards, we're gonna update it so that the DAO is taking 100% of the trading fees. And these trading fees are converted into shade, shade buybacks. So it, it creates a really interesting alignment where liquidity providers are highly incentivized to push for shade incentives to be used as efficiently as possible because they don't just benefit from volume in their pool in the form of buybacks. They benefit from volume on every other pool that's also um, seeing seeing that progress. So it's kind of a radical experiment. We're really democratizing the liquidity provider role. Um, the other cool part too is liquidity providers will be benefiting from buybacks from all the stake secret fees, from all the liquidation fees on Shade Lend, from the interest fees that are going to be introduced. So as we continue to add in these different uh, applications, the kind of capital providers for the various apps share in the growth of the platform with this 100% kind of taker fee. And it's, it's a radical experiment. We don't know what's going to happen. It's something that we're going to have to watch carefully. If, if a month in, the community just hates it and it's not working well, then we can absolutely, you know, shift things to, to something less radical. But I think typically in crypto, it's it's good to take those leaps. It's good to commit to an experiment fully, but then be very nimble in your reaction to the results. So we're gonna we're gonna try the aggressive experiment, see how the liquidity provider community reacts, see how the trading fees and the buyback pressure, that upward pressure, how that how that helps the whole experience. And um, I think it I think it could work brilliantly, and I'm I'm really excited to see how the experiment turns out. Yeah, and I, I think we briefly talked about this on our last Twitter space, but there's you know some really interesting game theory kind of associated with this where liquidity providers are able to earn this token, which represents not only kind of a claim to um, you know these protocol revenue streams, but they they get to feel the the buy pressure associated with this without necessarily having to without necessarily having to stake their shade, right? So individuals who want to stake their shade, they get to, you know, access that real yield directly. The LPers who want to just accumulate this shade as rewards and benefit from the uh, appreciation and price from the shade buybacks, they get to do that without having to, um, you know, without having to stake their LP uh, rewards. And kind of the beauty with all of this is that liquidity providers still get to benefit from this instant unbonding, right? So we, we're we in a position where we will be able to start seeing the results of these changes from the community perspective, from the liquidity provider perspective, you know, pretty quickly. Uh, if we had a week or, or two week unbonding period, the 
um, you know, some of the observations uh, or and the impacts of this change would be a little bit less visible early on. So um, I, I'm personally, and I, I think the team uh, would agree with me on, on this statement that we're really excited to see how the community responds to this. And like we said, we're, we're pretty, uh, we're, we're pretty excited and optimistic about the, the outcome of this experiment. And, you know, it's, this is one of those big pivotal moments for shade protocol where we're really trying to switch things up right? We want to be focused on real yield. And this is one of the ways that we can get there. Yeah. And I think it's going to align incentives really nicely with it's essentially liquidity providers that are shade maxis, right? Which is like, ultimately, when you're in a very vulnerable stage of growth, in terms of emissions, like those are those are the types of people you want to be 100% aligned with. Um, So I I think it's going to be a fascinating experiment. Another interesting advantage of a 100% taker fee is one of the concerns of incentivization programs is wash trading. So say you have project A and project B uh, and both of them are competing for incentives on shade swap and project A decides, ooh, like they're, they're looking at volume as the metric for deciding how many incentives I get. So I'm going to just go, you know, I, I own 95% of the liquidity pool. So I'm just going to trade back and forth with myself and because I'm collecting my own trading fees and there's no protocol taker fee, I can just wash trade with no risk really, right? Like it's a very low cost to wash trade. So an interesting advantage of having a 100% taker fee is that wash trading game becomes significantly more expensive because 100% of the fees are going back to shape protocol. So it's like, okay, if you want to game an incentivization program, knock yourself out. You're just handing over hand over fist fee is to the protocol in the name of trying to game incentives, which is, yeah, I think that's another really interesting advantage of, of this, this direction too. Yeah. And, and kind of to, uh, add to that, you know, when we're thinking about the, the earning potential for liquidity providers, uh, in relation to swap fees, liquidity providers have to withdraw their liquidity in order to actually realize those swap fees. And so, from a liquidity provider standpoint, being able to for the DAO to take, um, you know, those swap fees, which the DAO take, there there is no withdraw or unbonding required for the DAO. Um, you know, the DAO actually takes those fees uh, during the swap. It it doesn't have to unbond any liquidity, and so for liquidity providers, you know, that instant or that daily income received from uh, the swap fees isn't materially realized by the liquidity providers until they with, uh, withdraw that liquidity. However, you know if we take those swap fees and convert them all into shade buybacks, those tokens that liquidity providers are actually earning are steadily increasing in value, um, and they are able to realize that that sort of um, that that revenue stream coming in more instantaneously and in a more material way without having to exit a position. Um, so there, you know, another really interesting kind of game theory part of the changes that are being made. I, I think that's just one of the coolest observations. And I know this is a liquidity provider too, cause like, you know, what your entry ratio is at. And so like, sure you're accruing trading fees, but it's like kind of, it's hard to calculate it unless you really, unless price magically returns back to your entry point. And then you can be like, oh, I tangibly have 
X amount more of token A and Y amount more of token B. Those are my trading fees, right? But realistically, there's so much volatility in crypto that's never the case. And so most folks don't know <laughs> how many, how much trading fees they've accrued, right? And to be honest, they really don't care. They, they care more about the reward token that they're earning. So I think for casual liquidity providers, they're definitely going to probably not notice and, and, and appreciate the change. And I think you're more professional liquidity providers. It's definitely a new take on the model. And it's going to be, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how those folks react. But if they're, if they're shade protocol aligned, then I think they're going to love it. Yep, to- totally agree here. Um, so next next phase of the rollout of the meta engine that I want to briefly touch on before we kind of get into uh, some upcoming Silk integrations, which I'm head over heels. I'm so excited to talk about this. Um, but the one of the last pieces of the meta engine rollout will be changes to Shade Lend uh, fee parameters. Um, and that's primarily... Um, going to be impacting the liquidation, um, the, the, the fee uh, that the DAO takes uh, from liquidations. Currently, it's 10%. Um, and I believe the discount uh, for liquidated collateral is 10%. So with the protocol currently taking 10% of that 10%, uh, the protocol effectively uh, it takes 1% of the value of liquidated collateral, um, and we're proposing to increase that to 20%. The, the DAO would take 20% take of the liquidation fee, which would equal approximately 2% of the total liquidated value. And then we're also proposing um, the implementation of interest fees for both the USDC and USDT vaults. Um, so, Carter, you want to you want to touch on uh, some of the logic behind the the liquidation fee increase, and then also the addition of the interest fees. For sure, I mean the 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 liquidation taker fee. I think is just there's been a lot of money left on the table given to liquidators, and there'll still be people that will definitely take the liquidations even with that slight bump. So, I think overall. That was just an example of we started with a very conservative value because you want to make sure that that arbitrage community is incentivized and and that the stability pool is incentivized. And so this is just a slight, slight bump that goes a long ways over the long haul, setting that precedent now. Um, The interest fee one's interesting because I've actually been thinking about this more. It seems like one of the most absurd value props of Shade Lend is the 0% interest fees. And that creates volume on ShadeSwap. And so if we're doing a 100% taker fee on ShadeSwap, it's kind of like we're monetizing Shade Lend via ShadeSwap. So I've actually started to have kind of like second thoughts on the interest rate fee. That being said, the biggest advantage of adding the interest rate fee is that we get to evolve the collateral backing of Silk. So we, we can disencourage centralized stable coins like USDT and USDC. Uh, slowly over time, so that's I, I'd be curious what you think, Red, because it's it's one of those like interest fees that I think will tangibly reduce the amount of liquidity on ShadeSwap as well as volume. And so I guess the question is, is it too is it too much to not only do the 100% taker fee, but then also add on those types of interest fees? My gut says we should start with the taker fee see how the community reacts to that, and then add on the interest fees afterwards, as opposed to doing both simultaneously. 
Yeah, my, you know, my first thought is, and this kind of ties into what we're going to touch on in just a moment, but, you know, you had mentioned that it would primarily impact, uh, you know, Silk TVL on shade swap and considering the uh, proposed shift towards 100% Dow taker fee on on swaps. Um, sorry, my dog is <laughs> my dog's going crazy here. Uh, considering that um, you know that shift, the uh, I, I think the impact that we see on let's say silk and circulating supply will maybe be more noticeable on shade swap, but also considering, you know, silk is going to be, you know, joining the likes of USK on Kujira, joining the likes of other stable coins on Osmosis. You know, we're really wanting to push uh, silk proliferation throughout the cosmos. Um, you know, my thought goes to how does this impact silk on these other chains, right? Where we're not earning the taker fee there we have to have that you know the only tangible revenue stream that really ties that silk on these other chains back to shade protocol is the uh you know that interest fee associated with uh whoever i guess originally borrowed that right and the nice thing about interest fees is this is not something that's charged to the user upon uh, opening their borrowing position. This is something that's just kind of accruing to their debt. And when we're talking about 1%, you know, it's an extremely low interest rate. Um, and that seems like it's somewhat the standard across the cosmos for uh, interest rates, somewhere between 0.5% and 1%. Um, and so, you know, my thought kind of goes to like, if you're already borrowing, if you already hold a, a centralized stable coin, right? and you believe it's going to hold its peg, a 1% interest fee that's charged whenever you close your debt, it, like it's basically assessed whenever you close your position, all of those holders of Silk have to do is earn more than, than 1%, right? For them to, I, I obviously they can take their USDC and go lend it on Ghost for like 4.5%, or you can lend it on UMI for like 2.5%. Right. So ideally, with that silk that you earn, you're earning more than whatever your nominal lending rate would be in a money market or for a single sided LP. And I think silk still the the, the earning opportunities for silk vastly outstrip those um, those the earning potential for just those centralized stables. So for my per I, I personally don't think it's that big of a deal. To be honest, um, I'm just one one person. I don't speak for the team, and I definitely don't speak for the community. Um, but this is just kind of where where my thoughts are at on this. I know. I think it's a really good point that like once Silk leaves Shade Swap or Seeger Network, then anytime like let's say hypothetically you have USDC, you mint out Silk, you bridge it to Kajira, and you sell it for USK, Shade Protocol didn't benefit from that in any capacity. Then it's the only. I it would be the liquidity provider on Kajira who benefited from that, which means they must have already purchased Silk to be able to provide that liquidity. So like, maybe there's like a long tail of like, where's the best place to buy Silk, Shade Swap. So liquidity providers and other chains probably had to get, get that Silk from somewhere. But as a whole, you're right. As Silk goes out, interest rates are the easiest way to be able to monetize Silk no matter where it, where it goes. So 
I think I think that makes sense. I, I'm I'm more concerned about all the changes happening all at once. So like I I feel like for sure I, I actually the like the idea and then of having a pause and then adding the one percent. I think that would probably be the smartest thing to do. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, having it broken up into phases. Uh, definitely makes it more digestible for the users of silk prospective borrowers. And it's easier too for us to understand, like, let's say, let's say like $200,000 of liquidity gets pulled off like the silk USDC pool. If it's, then it's going to be like, well, was it from the interest fee or was it from the taker fee change? Right. So like kind of isolating the experiments is probably important as we're tracking liquidity to be like, what's, what can we infer as the cause? Yep, this uh, uh, this is bringing me back to my days in a lab uh, <laughs> trying to isolate testing for individual variables. Um, so this is, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I know we are getting uh, we're getting somewhat short on time. This conversation has flown by. We're already forty three minutes into this. Um, so I do want to go ahead and shift us towards a conversation about upcoming silk integrations, which I. I've had the uh, wonderful pleasure of talking with a lot of these teams who are looking to integrate Silk into their current um, into their current product suite, and I'm super excited to be sharing more information about that. There are a few that we've already made fairly public. Uh, we, um, if anyone has been following the Shade Twitter account or the Kujira Twitter account, um, you'll know that Silk is going to be um, traveling over to Kajira and a Silk USK Fin Market and a Silk USK Bow uh, LP are going to be uh, created. Actually, it's already up on their front end right now. I think they just need to instantiate the contracts uh, after a past governance proposal. So um, that is the next part there. But we're also going to be seeing the new migrated version of Shade also uh, going on to uh, Kujira's Fin Market and Bo LPs. So the old shade markets are effectively being deprecated. Users will still be able to withdraw their liquidity, but that won't be um, the primary sh the primary shade pair that is visible on both Fin and um, Bo. And then also, um, if you've been following the Shade Twitter account, you'll also I think we announced it yesterday, or maybe it was on Monday, um, the proposed treasury swap with uh, MantaDAO, swapping um, shade, uh, shade protocol on liquidity for Manta protocol on liquidity, and then the creation of both a shade protocol on liquidity pair on shade swap, and then um, similar pair launched on Bow. And this is a really interesting... Um, this is a really interesting proposal and development for the, the ecosystem as a whole. And Carter, I'll let you uh, give your thoughts on this in just a second. But effectively, what this does is this this create this would create a hundred thousand dollars worth of protocol owned liquidity, both on ShadeSwap and on Bow uh, for the Shade token. And considering um, users will probably have to do a little bit more uh, deep diving into uh, into the Mantidao team and kind of the, the use cases of the token. But effectively, uh, what this does is this is going to allow Shade to be connected and routed to basically every asset. <laughs> Apologies for the dog. <laughs> They're excited for the integration. So yeah, I can I can I can hop in here. Um, essentially. 
you know, Kajira has this great community of folks that are really excited about DeFi. I think there's a lot of scrappy builders over there, a lot of scrappy community members. And I think this is a really good opportunity to have, you know, a pool on Kajira, a, a pool on, on ShadeSwap. And the ARB community between the two is going to be really, I think, start to create some really interesting economic activity. And then users on Kajira, because I think there's a lot of Shade fans over in the Kajira community, it's going to be easier for them to acquire Shade or Silk, you know, on their their local decks of decks of choice, which is which is great. So and vice versa. I think there's a lot of um, folks in the Shade community that like Kajira and probably will be learning about Manta and, and also get excited about them. So whenever we can partner with other protocols that are obsessed with building and obsessed with kind of the vision for generating this kind of cross-chain economic activity, it's it's just it's it's only a, it's only a net positive in my mind. And um, I I hope one day that. Kajira is going to be this powerful L1 name brand. And I hope when people think Kajira, they're also going to think about Shade in terms of kind of the, the private version of, of Kajira. I, I could see that, that world emerging over the course of the next year or two. So um, there's just a lot of value alignment. And now we're, actually, now we're actually setting up tangible economic alignment between the two protocols. It's not just our ethos, but it's also our, our DAOs that are becoming aligned. 100%. And this also is a great opportunity to increase that exposure and liquidity without needing to pay for mercenary um, liquidity, right? There's no need to incentivize these payers um, on on bow or shade and considering the, um, you know, the protocol taker fee going to 100%, even, even if... Um, like we had mentioned, unincentivized pools, the liquidity providers will uh, be able to retain that the the majority of the swap fees there. If the protocol is the primary liquidity provider, they're going to be taking the swap fees anyways, right? So there's no need to incentivize liquidity there. So it's a way to build liquidity on within two ecosystems: our native ecosystem and also this external ecosystem. Um, you know, further uh, increase the ethos alignment and sort of this real yield alignment between the protocols. So this is a really cool development, um, you know, on, on multiple levels. So very excited to see that continuing to push forward. And then we can, uh, Carter, if you have any thoughts on the getting silk over to Kujira, this is, it's a layered value prop and we might not be able to get into all the benefits of doing this. Um, but there are, going to be some really interesting uh, arbitrage opportunities that exist getting Silk and USK paired together on Finn and Bo. That opens up arbitrage opportunities between Kujira and ShadeSwap. Um, but it also op opens up the beginning of some of these more interesting arbitrage or sorry, Forex opportunities. Um, you know, considering Silk is a basket of currency or is pegged to a basket of currencies and commodities instead of being pegged to uh, in individual sovereign currency, like most traditional stable coins, this uh, opens up some really interesting trading strategies, um, uh, being able to long and short uh, particular parts of the uh, of the peg. And that's kind of starting with USDC. Obviously, we already have that available with the Silk USK and Silk USDC, Silk USDT pairs on ShadeSwap, but being able to open up those Forex uh, opportunities, those arbitrage opportunities to other ecosystems is just going to um, kind of compound those effects. And then on top of that, we've also got the benefit of 
when you know when silk travels outside of the shade protocol ecosystem that is that is another set of reliable uh trading uh trading volume and price feeds that oracle networks can kind of tap into to help silk to help to help create a more reliable silk price feed so that when we want to get silk onto some of these external money markets like umi mars um ghost uh, we're able to do so in a in a reliable and safe way and i don't know if anyone anyone in this uh, room right now got to listen to the oho shade twitter space that we did last week absolutely phenomenal conversation uh thinking back in the last like few months of twitter spaces we did that might be one of uh, my personal favorite twitter spaces we did um and just the the synergistic potential with shade and all of these um, insanely talented builders in the cosmos ecosystem is, is really kind of coming to a forefront uh, with with what we're what we've got going on right now. Yeah, the Oracle one is huge. Um, Oho will be able to look at Kajira, and that's really really critical data that they need from their end to be able to get silk in their money market. So, I think. Once we get some nice liquidity on Kajira for Silk and Shade, the doors are really going to start to open up in terms of accessibility. And it's been it's been a slow slog. We can all acknowledge that. But I'll say this: Silk's been live for how many months now? Was it three months? Three months? <laughs> or like four months, maybe. Yeah, three four months. So like initially, when you launch a stablecoin, you're like, "Yo, everyone, we should integrate." People are like, "Uh, like." Maybe you should exist for a while. And it's like, yeah, that's completely fair. <laughs> so I, I feel like we're starting to get, once you get close to that like six month mark, a lot of these different projects out there that are excited to integrate with us now actually feel safe integrating with us because we've, we've proven the, the stability of Silk. And, and that's of course with a massive asterisk because that is a lifelong journey, a, a, a permanent journey, not, not one that's just won or lost in, in a single moment. But overall, the confidence and the track record of Silk is growing. And that is going to open up new doors, new opportunities, and, and new accessibility for people to acquire this this, this powerful stablecoin. A hundred percent. And as we're kind of getting uh, close to the end of this Twitter space, I want to go ahead and uh, put this out there. If anyone has any questions, or if anyone wants to come up state, come up on stage and talk to us about any you know any of the details about the rollout of the Meta Engine, or if you have any suggestions about where you would like to see Silk. Um, <clears throat> integrated next, we, you know, we, we love hearing from the community. Obviously, um, Silk Utility is, it will only go as far as the users who are interested in using it. And so um, for people who are, uh, you know, prolific users of other protocols outside of the, um, the Shade ecosystem or the secret network ecosystem, um, private dApps, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys right now. I know um, we're interested in getting Silk integrated on Osmosis. And kind of like Carter said, we wanted slash needed to be able to have Silk exist for a certain amount of time before some of these bigger protocols consider integrating Silk or uh, providing incentives to Silk pairs. And so I think we're kind of hitting that, that you know, that four-month mark is where um, the ability to realistically go to osmosis and and get them to list silk and potentially put up incentives uh, along with shade for silk pairs becomes much more realistic 
intangible. And so we'll be looking to uh, restart that conversation on Commonwealth and, and within their governance circle about getting silk listed on osmosis. There, there have been a few other chains that have reached out to us. Um, but Carter, I saw you uh, unmute there. I was going to say, another, another reason we've been waiting for osmosis is concentrated liquidity. Um, many a protocol has died chucking incentives at osmosis frontier and it's it's been hard to watch i've seen it happen multiple times so waiting for concentrated liquidity means that we're able to do a much more efficient experiment on osmosis and kind of prove the data out to them without chucking incentives at a constant product pool um that an osmo farmer could come in and just kind of nuke and then I say that from experience because I've, 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 I've watched it happen. But with, with concentrated liquidity, I think there'd be a good chance that we would target like a silk USDC pool. I think that would be pretty amazing, especially since Osmosis is adding in taker fees. There's more of a warmth towards the idea of the most efficient pairings, right? Um, that being said, a silk Osmo pool would be super, super good too. But what you can expect once... Um, once Commonwealth gets to a certain place, or like once concentrated liquidity adoption uh, goes beyond just the die pool and it becomes more of a permissionless process, you can expect Shade Protocol to be putting up proposals. And to be honest, the folks I've talked to over at Osmosis have been nothing but excited about the idea. Uh, they've done a really good job of asking about wanting to see Silk's back testing, wanting to understand the liquidation mechanisms. So I've really appreciated the due diligence their team has done. And it's going to be a huge step forward if we can get Silk and Shade. Um, on osmosis with concentrated liquidity. 100%. Um, so as we get down to these last few minutes, I'll just uh, reiterate if anyone wants to come up here and ask any questions or, um, you know, just participate in some last minute discussion regarding the any of the details we've talked about today or anything about Shade Protocol. Uh, for anyone who's just joining in, we highlighted uh, the details about the shade airdrop atrophy. We talked about the different stages of the meta engine rollout. Um, and how that's going to uh, most likely happen on a uh, app, like per application basis rather than rolling everything out at one time. And then also touching on some of the upcoming Silk integrations we've got going on here. So if anyone wants to hop up here, um, feel free. I got one more, and that's your piece of alpha, because this, this is obviously something we've wanted for a while. But um, it's finally on the task list to be able to get the uh, BTC vault and generally just adding vaults in general fully scripted out. So I'm going to be tackling um, that next, which should open the doors to be able to add vaults for things like STK Atom, things like wrapped Bitcoin, things like, you know, our ETH and any of those kind of ETH staking derivatives, um, PAXG, all that stuff. So that's, that's my, now that I finished scripting real yield stuff and that's ready to deploy Really, whenever the marketing team and whenever the community is kind of ready to fully roll that out, I'll be shifting my focus over um, to Shade Lend. As another update, API, we finally have a base, <laughs> finally got the migration um, largely complete. So the finish line is in sight for like a stable uh, price feed, which means CoinGecko again, finally. So I just want to give an update there that there's we've, we've gotten over the hump. The original problem was... It was built in Rust. Um, we kind of we lost the developer that was managing the Rust API. There was some major technical difficulties tied to how it was coded up, and so we pretty much had to come in and rebuild 
the API from scratch in in TypeScript um, and in, in more friendly friendly frameworks. So it was, you know, an API that had been built up for over half a year, and it's actually components of it are still being used. It's just that the ability to modify it was a nightmare, and so I'm really confident by the time August is done that the worst will be behind us on API stuff. And the beauty is a lot of a lot of our projects are tied behind API. People like Squid that want to be able to do, you know, um, routed trades across ShadeSwap, they can't do that until we have a stable API endpoint. CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap, can't do that until we have stable stable price feeds from an API. DeFi um, Llama. De- DeFi, well, yeah, DeFi, well, I, I think DeFi Llama is actually doing all right right now, but maybe maybe the things are breaking. For, for Silk, it's just uh, not showing Silk ah, properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pri- yeah. Price, price for Silk, API. Um, oh, API, um, analytics. There's a bunch of like analytics in Portfolio V2 that Austin couldn't like can't couldn't touch until API is ready to go because that's where all the data is getting served served up from. So it's it's been like the most frustrating thing to have to solve this, but we've experienced the tech debt. We're finally getting to the finish line on a sustainable solution that all of us can maintain. And I, I think like the integrations are going to kind of be unleashed. My guess is in September, and um, between now and then, it's it's getting real yields. Real yield fully rolled out, getting these extra vaults rolled out, and um, also some very fun grants in the works that I can't fully talk about. Red knows that I'm talking about, but like maybe I don't know a card, a card tab. Red, what? It's get oh man, that's a whole can of worms to open up at the end of, <laughs> at the end of this Twitter space. Uh, yeah, to TLDR. Uh, the grants program, the Shade Grants program, is in a really good spot, and we've got some phenomenal teams that we're working with uh, to build out some 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 crazy integrations and utility for Shade and Silk. Um, and we'll have some more details to to share in the future. Another little piece of Alpha um, you know, MetaMask integration is in a really solid spot. I know we've talked a bit. Um, in past Twitter spaces about the the infrastructure that we've built to be able to onboard all of these various wallets, not only Cosmos-based wallets, but also Ethereum and, and other ecosystem wallets. And um, I don't, don't necessarily want to share timelines right now, but um, I know the next wallet that we're going to be integrating is Leap Wallet uh, for the Cosmos, which would be really awesome. And then, like I said, MetaMask is, is also in a really good spot. It's just a you know, an issue with prioritization of, uh, you know, everything going on. But, um, you know, we're hopeful that I, I think the goal is like end of August um, yep. to, to be able to have all that stuff fully rolled out. And then, <clears throat> you know, it, again, this coincides with all of these other changes, the expansion of Silk, proliferation of Silk. It's just going to be easier than ever for individuals to finally tap into Silk's various value propositions, even if it's not on Secret Network, right? Once Silk leaves Secret Network, it's no longer um, fully private. So when Silk goes to Kujiro and Silk goes to Osmosis, it's going to uh, be public. Um, And there's still, oh man, (laughs) it's... uh, this is just a, a crazy time to have all of these things uh, working in tandem and being implemented all in this really interesting, cohesive timeline. I'll, I'll, I'll close with this, Rat, because I can feel the excitement, so you got me excited. In, I've said this before. 
but in an industry that's all about attention and constant traction, constant movement, patience is a superpower. Getting 1% better every day is a superpower because a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, Shea Protocol is gonna be unrecognizable from what it is right now because of the continued progress that we're making. And it's really a competitive advantage because you know, a lot of people are capitulating. A lot of builders are rolling up and giving up. A lot of people feel the weight and they, and they slow down. But I can tell you like the shade team is stubborn as all get out. And like, we're just going to keep getting a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better until one day we're going to hit our inflection point. I know it's going to happen. And people will say, well, how did I miss that? And the people that missed it are, are the people that maybe don't understand the value of a very patient team that has a very strong ethos and is too stubborn to quit. 100% correct, Carter. I love, love the final words there. And I just want to thank everyone for listening in today. I noticed uh, a lot of the faces in the in the audience today are people who have been following the Shade Protocol story pretty much since its beginning. And so I just want to say thank you to you guys for your continual support, your, uh, your, the, the criticism you've provided along the way. You know, we, we don't want to build in silos, right? The, the products that we're building are meant to be used. And so feedback from the user base is incredibly important to us and really appreciate, appreciate everyone who has made their voices heard along the way and helped us continually improve the products. Um, I mean, when you say Silk has only been out for three months, that my brain has a hard time uh, computing that because it's <laughs> crypto moves so fast. It feels like it's been damn near a year since Silk has been out. And uh, it's been crazy to watch the adoption thus far. I mean, you know, try to be uh, humble at the same time while while being um, it, being able to enjoy some of the high moments. But it's been an incredible journey, and really, I'm happy that uh, everyone in this audience has kind of been along with us uh, along that journey. I know that there's it's that we we haven't like we haven't even really started, <laughs> but we've also done so much, and that's you know you got to be able to feel blessed about the journey, but understand that like the work, the work doesn't get to stop, doesn't get to stop here. And I, I'm just, I feel blessed to have days where I wake up and realize we freaking launched a private global stable coin. Like how freaking cool is that? But now it's our job to get into the hands of as many crypto users as possible. Now it's our job to get this integrated into payment solutions and the cards. Now it's our job to educate people and, and have them understand that you should be able to use decentralized finance and have your privacy preserved. And it's our job to bring every single key primitive into the hands of end users. So you can, you can be a DGEN, you can do your thousand X perpetual swap leverage privately. You can have your private money market. You can have your private CDP stable coin, all the different staking derivatives, all, you know, you have your liquidity order book, your, your longs and your shorts and, we're, we're going to bring everyone everything, and that's the impossible journey, and it takes time, it will take years, it will take decades, but I'm, I'm so excited about this stage because it's, the, the, the path is there, and it, it's a long and arduous path, but there's been, you know, before you actually ship it, you don't know if, it, if you're going to be able to pull it off, but now we've shipped it. We, we have really, really, really good building blocks in the form of community, in the, in the form of, of 
the, the, the front end work that Austin's put in in the form of the smart contracts and the Steven Network community. So the building blocks are there. Now it's time to get the, get the momentum rolling. Carter, you just gave me the energy I need to continue <laughs> throughout the rest of the day. No, I, I totally uh, empathize with everything you just said. Um, you know, every day getting to work with this protocol, it, it definitely feels like a blessing. And, um, you know, I in the face of all the crazy stuff happening with exploits and with regulations changing, it's very easy. And, you know, with the general bear market, it's very easy to to question the state of this industry and to to question, you know, the, the viability of some of these solutions. But I swear every day I, I get more and more bullish on what we're doing here and, and the potential. And one of the things you said in the past, and I, I love this comment. Um, I've said it, uh, quoted it a few times, but there, there are two things that are incredibly hard to replicate in this industry, and that is community and integrations. And every integration that we get with Silk and Shade continues to separate us from uh, some of the some of the other builders and solutions in this space. And then every person we can effectively blue pill into kind of this private, that the value of uh, privacy within your DeFi interactions, the, the value of adaptability for your money. Um, you know, we're one step closer to realizing, you know, some of our more grander goals. And so again, thank you everyone for joining us today. Thank you, Carter, for taking time out uh, to talk with us about some of the details here and um, some last thoughts. Uh, if anyone has not claimed their shade airdrop, definitely go do so now. Every, like Carter said, every block that goes by your shade airdrop that you can claim goes down just a little bit. Uh, that airdrop atrophy just started yesterday. So you'll notice barely any changes um, in the amount to claim. But just a reminder for everyone, go claim your shade airdrop. And if you haven't participated in private DeFi yet, I highly suggest you check out the shade applications. Um, it seems like every person that we've had uh, go through our product suite and actually interact with it has a very positive experience. Being able to interact with all these different DeFi applications just one click away, whether it's your initial entrance into DeFi through the Shade Bridge or trying to liquid stake and then go to immediately swap that or immediately go to uh, borrow Silk against that. Um, the cohesive, The cohesive set of applications all within that one front end is very powerful from a uh, from a retention standpoint. So if anyone hasn't kind of taken that dive yet or haven't hasn't tried out the Shade applications, definitely suggest you do it. Um, you can go to app.shadeprotocol.io, and that is the Shade application page. And always uh, encourage individuals to give feedback on their experience. Um, our Discord and Telegrams are always open. We love hearing people provide feedback and. Uh, hope to see you all in our community in the future. Thank you all for joining us today and listening and hope you all have a great day. Plenty of room in the shade, guys. Keep it up. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape them under the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and plate Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out 
about the max amount of payments. Red down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these tokenomics. They probing this bear, flexing broken knives. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting knives. And then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic. Never known the politic, I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over impossible loss, it's all moss. And I'm liking the odds. Bond doing the morning, forming mycological bonds. Flick the cap, though the road is highly involved. Flip a coin, diary falls. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy. Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come, first serve mentality. Teeth stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lace stacked in non toxic just to get a better place. Smacking on the hostage like the shit is played for keeps. Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines. They call it implausible when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats. Tearing apart your community. All these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers fuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the verbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Spaces.